0: We have a lot of rooted, deeply rooted issues in education. Who gets centered as experts whose voices we get to hear. And realizing that I do have biases, whether I don't or not, we all do. We start talking so much about it and so loudly, but then we start muffling the voices of the people who have actually experienced it.
1: I'm Kelly Jackson, owner of the Simply Organized Teacher and host of the podcast Simply Teach. What things do we as educators need to be aware of? What things do we need to be doing or consuming so that we can be creating the best possible learning environments for all of our students, especially our students of color? That's what this racism in education series is all about. Practical things that we can be doing as educators to educate ourselves, educate our students, and make changes that will last for generations to come. No matter where you are on this journey, you're welcome here. Welcome to the last episode of the Racism in Education series. Today's episode is with my friend Brittany. She chatted with me back in episode 16, and we talked all about her first year of teaching, but today I invited Brittany back on to talk about being an ally for her students. This conversation is for all the teachers and all the parents who have listened to this series or who have listened to the outcry from our Black brothers and sisters these past few months and are wondering, what do I do now? Brittany shares with us what she's doing to be an ally for her students, and I'm so excited to share our conversation with you. Here we go. Hey, Brittany. Thank you so much for joining me in this conversation on racism and education, and today we're going to be talking specifically about how to be an ally for our students. So I invited you on because you are, well, you've been on the podcast before. Yes. Uh, I think like in the 20s, like episode 20-something, a, long, a long time, time ago. Now. You're somebody that I still came in contact with. I still follow you on Facebook and you are doing a lot and really um, working hard to shift the narrative, I guess, and really do things for your kids that involve you being an ally and being supportive of your students of color. Will you start out by just introducing yourself to the listeners for those who haven't tuned into your episode before?
0: Yeah. So um, my name is Brittany. Um, Kelly and I did the same graduate program, not at the same time, but that's kind of how we got connected through teacher fellows. Um, I teach in a district right outside of Austin, Texas, and I'm moving into third grade this year. So new grade, but I'm very excited. Um, And like Kelly said, I'm just really big into kind of pushing the narrative and fighting for all of my students and making sure that all of them are represented, represented in my classroom.
1: What, like, can you share a little bit about your journey on how you got to this place? Um, I'm sure it's something that is like, you know, we're all always developing and improving and whatnot. But I feel like specifically in the last year, or so I've really seen you speak out a lot about this. And so what has been your journey to this point?
0: Yeah, um, it's funny because like my mom will share times like even in preschool where I would like, you know, speak up for other people. So I think it's just something that's always kind of been ingrained in my heart. But more specifically, since 2016, when Trump was first elected, I really just saw how poorly he spoke about people of color or people with disabilities or anything like that. And it really just touched my heart because I mean, that that's my students, I work at a predominantly Hispanic school. And, you know, it really, it really broke my heart, honestly, to hear how, you know, adults were talking about my students, not particularly by name, but just like in general, and how my students were viewing themselves. I mean, I would hear them talk about like, well, President Trump doesn't approve of me or whatever. And that just really like, hit me hard. Like, you know, I I never had to think like that. Um, And so really, I had to start within myself and really recognize my own biases and kind of read not necessarily like education books, but books on how to be anti racist, just in a general platform, and really work on my own self before I could then teach my students how to do that. So really just Identifying what I struggle with, what my biases are, and realizing that I do have biases—whether you know I want to say I don't or not—we all do. And so, being able to own that and recognize that, and then moving forward, um, and just really speaking out—I, as a white woman, I have that privilege, and I know that not everyone has that. And so, I had to kind of be uncomfortable enough to speak out and know that I was going to get some backlash, but realizing that this is a bigger thing it's more important than the backlash that i'm getting.
1: Yeah, and i think it's so important as educators that we are like we are on the front lines of this because we are working with children that fit into these demographics and like you said when it it's it's one thing to like see it happening on tv or see, you know, the news headlines or whatever but to like hear your own students talking about that and to see um like the reflection in your kids, you know, it, that like hits close to home. And that's where it's like, I think it's so important as educators that we um, are willing to even just listen. Like, I know that there are people out there that, and we'll talk about this in a minute that, you know, want to resist this or push back on this. And, and I understand that, but I think it's so important that we just even listen um, because that's where the learning starts for me. You know, my learning started by just listening to other podcasts and hearing other women share their stories, I predominantly listen to podcasts by women. So, (laughs) but like listening to them, share their stories and thinking like, Oh, I connect with that. Or, Oh, I relate to that. Or I see how, you know, um, the way they're saying, you know, this is something that's racist or whatever. Like I've thought that, or I've, you know, like putting myself in the picture. And I think it's so important that as teachers, um, we're willing to listen. So, I brought you on to talk about how to be an ally, how to be a supporter and an advocate for our students. So let's start out with um, what are some behind-the-scenes things you are doing as a person and as a teacher to prepare yourself for this upcoming school year?
0: So the first thing I did, I actually saw a teacher on Instagram do it, and I cannot for the life of me remember who – but she went through her entire classroom library. Was it Ashley Bible? She was the girl who I saw, like I first saw. I don't know if she's she the building book um, love. I think so. I think that was who I saw it from. But she basically just went through her library and divided between. So I did white, um, black, Latinx, um, Middle Eastern, Asian Pacific Islander, and then um, like animals or other kind of category. And I have a huge library, I've prided myself on having a big library, having an inclusive library. And it was honestly shocking. Like I think seeing other people's I was like, that's not me. Like they have so many white characters, like, I have a great library. And then seeing that out of like 400 chapter books, over 200 of them were of white characters. And it was really sad to me, it was really shocking to me, my, um, one of my lowest was Latinx representation. And that is the biggest population of my classroom. And so it was just, you know, eye opening to me that I can pride myself so much on this and still be falling short. And it was a very humbling experience. And so I quickly got on Instagram asked, you know, for book recommendations, I looked towards other um, black educators that I knew that had been posting about diverse books, and I just literally started adding everything to an Amazon wish list, anything and everything I could find that was diverse. I think on my wish list there's now over 500 books, and not one of them is white representation because I already have enough, um, unless it's you know a disability or something like that. But there still is a minority group playing into that. So that's something that's been really powerful this summer, just to kind of have that mind shift of making sure my students are represented within the books. Um, Another thing that I've been doing is really taking a look at my social studies curriculum and things like that. We don't really get a social studies curriculum. It's kind of built into our language arts, but when I'm looking at the social studies teaks, now I could be overlooking something, but there is only one person of color that I teach about and that's Harriet Tubman, And that's very shocking to me that out of all these teaks, I'm only going to teach about one person of color and someone that my students will probably repeatedly hear about. And so Mm -hmm. I went ahead and purchased a bundle, um, from some educators that I follow on Instagram. And that's what I'm using this, you know, year for social studies. Now I know I had to pay for that out of my own pocket. Not every teacher has that, um, you know, availability to them. But that's something I knew that was important to me and that I not only integrate social studies, but I'm teaching it exclusively so that my students know that these things around them that are maybe they can see themselves in, but also that they see the world in is super important and that it has to be taught. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I didn't have a lot of like true history other than the whitewashed education. And so it's super important to me that even in a young age of third grade, that they are learning these things so that when they get to be our age, they can, you know, have a better, hopefully a better world and a better country to live in. So that's kind of the two main things that I'm really focusing on. Can you share the bundle that you bought? So if anybody's listening, they... Um, So it's just a year-long social studies bundle. Um, You can either purchase it from... It's Lanisha Tab and Naomi O'Brien are the two educators that created it. Um, You can purchase it from either one of their TPTs. Um, So Lanisha's is apron underscore education. And then Naomi's is read like a rock star. So either one of those, they both sell it. Yeah, that's how I figured
1: it was. I just wanted to make sure um, because, yeah, they've put out a ton of great content. Um, They've been putting out a ton of great content on this.
0: And what I like about them is it's K through three is really what it's focused on. So it shows you like even in the youngest grades, we can still be focusing on these like kind of tough topics and really gives, especially as a white educator, gives me the language and knowledge to kind of navigate those conversations with my students.
1: Yeah. Something you said a minute ago, you talked about um, priding yourself on like having this really diverse library and and then realizing, oh, wait, yeah, um, <laughs> it's not. And I think that that is so important. That's part of that, like listening and learning piece is like, and again, going back to what you said about like your education, you know, very whitewashed, not um, a very limited uh, education. We got like history mm-hmm. lesson. Right. And I think it's important to not I want to make sure I'm being like really thoughtful and cautious in how I'm saying this, but I think it's, it's as a white person, it's easy to hear these things like Mm -hmm. about being racist or whatever, and immediately um, take the blame and like, feel this like great. Well, I didn't know, or I didn't, I didn't know any better, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You get really defensive. And I understand that because I have been there, but I think that's what's so important about listening and learning is to to be willing to say like, okay, I don't know everything. I may have not gotten educated, a whole education on this. So I'm going to put myself out there and put myself in a position like you did with, you know, uh, scanning your library and seeing like, what do I have here? I think that is so crucial to just doing those little steps and being willing and open to um, making changes and, and, letting our pride down a little bit.
0: And our students not only need it, but they want it. I had a student last year who refused. He was a black, he is a black boy. And he refused to read any book that wasn't a black character, specifically a black boy. And he would go into my library and pull out a book and be like, is this about a black boy? No. Okay. I don't want to read it. Is this one about a black boy? Yes. Okay. I'll read this one. And he specifically was looking for characters that looked like him. And so, you know, how many more students do we have that maybe just aren't willing to speak up in that manner? Maybe don't realize that that's what they're looking for. You know, he could speak up for himself, but there are thousands of other students that maybe don't have that language or don't have that confidence to speak up that this is what I need. I need someone that looks like me in that representation in our classroom, and so as the teacher, we are responsible for putting that in front of our students.
1: So you said that you obviously you are working on diversifying your library more. You got this bundle for—is um, it teaching racism in the classroom, or is it more like teaching social studies?
0: It's literally just a social studies bundle. They break it down into—I think it's five different. So it's civics, economics. Um history, sociology, and geography. So it's literally all different things, but each month has a different history month, um, different just things that go into social studies. Um, each one has vocabulary and a craft. like I really feel like it was worth the money to be able to do that because there's no way one I would have had the resources just from what's been given to me, and two really had that language that a educator of color can provide. I feel like mm-hmm. because of my background, it still would have been whitewashed. And I wanted to make sure that n- nothing about the social studies was whitewashed. And so for me, it was worth it. Again, I know not everyone can do that, but um, even just looking for some ideas from them is super powerful.
1: What are? How, what is your plan or your thought process on like how you're going to... So you said... You start back, what, September 8th with Mm -hmm. the kids. They have been through a lot in the past six months. What is your thought process or your plan on how you are going to address anti-racism more? So we talked about more behind the scenes. Now, like actually with your kids, what is your thought process on that or how you're going to do that?
0: I think for me, the kind of day one has always been that this is a classroom where everyone is welcomed. Um, I read books like all are welcome or our classes of family and really even point out. Um, so in the book, all are welcome. There's a, a gay couple bringing in their son and I will point out that couple specifically and so that way my students know, I learned this from another educator on Facebook or on Instagram, that way my students know automatically that it's okay to talk about, you know, gay couples in our classroom. It's okay to talk about different families in a positive way. We're not going to say it in a negative way, but it's okay to talk about these things. And I think letting students know that it's acceptable to talk about these tough conversations is the first really important thing that you need to do. And I think just setting your classroom up in an inclusive way, having posters around your room that, you know, lend themselves to conversation, reading diverse books and telling, I tell my students that these books might be a mirror for you or a window for you, you might see yourself or you might see someone else. And so letting them know right off the bat that you're not always going to see yourself in a book, but that I'm going to provide those for you. And having that direct conversation from day one is something I've done from the beginning. And I feel like it's really made a difference in opening that conversation for my students. And also just as things come up, whether it's at the beginning of the year or throughout the year that are not appropriate, I call them what they are. So if a student says something that is racist I will say that is racist or that is homophobic or whatever. I use that language with my students because if they're old enough to make that kind of comment, then they're old enough to hear, you know, the true call out of what it is, um, and then we talk about it. I don't say it's unkind or it's not nice because that's not what it is. It's racist or homophobic or xenophobic or whatever it is, and so I think oh, I like that using that language with your students. Because it's, it's not okay. And so I think if we can use that language with our students from the beginning, it kind of sets up for a very inclusive classroom throughout the whole year. Um, And so just being honest with your students and having, like I said, that open conversation from the beginning, I think, has really helped me and I'm hoping even though we're doing virtual learning, I'm still able to do that with my students as well.
1: Well, I think using that like calling out like that's racist or whatever also sets the kids up for success later on when they are having to have those conversations Mm -hmm. with um, their peers, you know, because that's something I I think that a lot of us like our generation, uh, maybe not even our generation, but like the generation just a little bit ahead of us like struggles with like calling somebody out for being racist or something because it is seen as unkind or whatever. Um, so I think giving them that example to see, I know that would have been helpful for me because like, I've been in those situations, unfortunately, where I'm like, that's not okay. But I also don't feel confident or comfortable to stand up and that's Mm -hmm. not good either.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, letting the students know that, you know, if they're not comfortable calling someone out like that yet, that they can come to us as the educator and that, we will say it and that we're confident enough to say it, even though it might be really uncomfortable for us, we know that in the end it benefits all of our students, white students and students of color. And so if they're not comfortable having them be comfortable enough to tell us until they do have that language for themselves, I think really helps, like you said, set them up for their future as peers and just in the age they are, but also as future adults too, that Mm -hmm. they'll be able to stand up for what's right whether that be on social media or in the workforce or whatever they encounter they're they've been given that language. They're a crazy
1: racist uncle.
0: Yes. (laughs) At Christmas time, when people are saying unkind things, like they're able to say like, you know what, that's, that's racist and that's not okay. And then moving on from the conversation um, until you're ready to really listen and hear, I think is, is powerful for them.
1: Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing from you as far as going into the school year it's not like a, um, I think teachers are, I know I would be like freaking out, like that. I need to have like some, like come to Jesus talk. We're going to like, it's going to be this really, um, produced thing or like making a big deal out of it. And it sounds like you're just like weaving it into your day to day. I don't, yes. Making a big day out of it. I mean, a big deal out of it is the wrong term. I'm sorry, but I hope like what I'm trying to say makes sense. That's where we have to get as an education system that it's not something that only gets talked about on these certain days or um, whatever, like a certain month, that it is something that is just naturally woven into the culture of the classroom.
0: Yes, we shouldn't just talk about Black history during the month of February. It should be all year. I shouldn't just be talking about Latinx history in, I think, October. Like it's Weaved in throughout the entire year. Yes, I can highlight those things during those months, but I should be talking about people of color all year long and really exposing my students to that from the beginning until the very end, because that's how our our world is. That's how Mm -hmm. their lives, you know, in the future and now will be.
1: So let's wrap up with maybe a more loaded question. (laughs) How do you plan? to do you plan to address this with your administration or if you get pushback from admin or for your team or what, how are you thinking about that?
0: I think that there will be some pushback, um, whether it's straightforward to my face or just maybe like in conversation within planning or whatever. Um, maybe it's silent pushback. It's just like a sense of you know, being uncomfortable, like I and I and I understand that and I accept that. However, um, this is what's best for all students. It's what's best for our white students. Even if you have an entirely white classroom, you as the educator have to educate them in all aspects. Where are the people that don't look like them, and where are the people that do look like them in history? So we have to teach all of our students how to be anti-racist. White, Black, Latinx, all of them, and so this isn't just for my students of color. This is benefiting all my students, and I think that there's no way to deny that. If I'm showing you what I'm teaching, I'm showing you how I'm teaching it, I'm showing you the language that I'm using. There's no way to deny that this is what's best for all students without looking racist. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to like call, call anyone out, but that's that's what it's going to end up looking like, and so. Yeah. I think that as a teacher, I have to be willing to sit in that uncomfortableness as a white educator, but also know that, again, this is just what's best for my students. I have read books. I've read teacher books about this. I've read non-educator books. Um, And so I can come with that background as well. And yeah, I'm just, I... I care about my edu- uh, my admin and like, I don't want it, it to seem like I'm this rebellious person, but at the end of the day, I'm there to teach my students and I'm there to do what's best for my students. And I think that's just kind of the hill I'll die on for lack of a better terminology, I guess. But I know that this is what's best for, for my kids and for our future.
1: Mm-hmm. Have you had any conversations with your team about this? Like, Has it been...
0: A conversation at all, or has it? So, with my new team, not necessarily, except for my direct partner, which she is fabulous. She um, is inclusive. She's um, she's a Hispanic woman, so she, you know, is coming in from that background. Her and her wife have adopted a son who actually was my student in fifth grade. So they have um, maybe a family that's not what everyone else has seen in the world or has experienced so she comes with that background as well and so i'm really lucky to have her to lean on for different um just different things that i need and she's a great friend regardless of that but i think that her and i together will really be able to um kind of tackle this um year mm-hmm. i haven't had any conversations with my admin yet i did receive i went to a pd and kind of from Lanisha, and Naomi, I literally like love them and follow them and learn so much from them. But they had sent um, like a Google slide type thing about and culturally responsive teaching to use like as a PD with your school. So it's definitely something I'm going to email to my principal, see if I'm, you know, able to speak on. If not, then it's something that I'll just talk about in my day to day teaching. But I'm hoping that they'll be open to kind of letting me talk to our stuff about that as well. Cause I think it's important and needs to be heard.
1: Yeah, for sure. To wrap up, I didn't prepare you for this. So <laughs> you said you've read a lot of books. Mm-hmm. What would be like, if you could just give one recommendation that you would say has been like the most impactful or the most educational to me to share with the listeners?
0: So for me, um, I'm looking up her, Name real quick because I want to say it correctly. So I think it's Layla Saad. It's S A A D, is her last name. Um, she read a book called Me and White Supremacy. Um, when I bought the book, my dad was like, What the heck is this? <laughs> what are you reading? Um, but on the bottom, it says, How to Combat Racism and Be a Better Ancestor or a Good Ancestor. And it started out as a 28 day challenge on Instagram. Each day, she would post a different part about being white that we need to address um, or really look at. And then it turned into a PDF and now it's a full book. It's the same 28 days. What I really like about it is, for example, the first one I think is about white privilege. So it tells you like what white privilege is, then tells you how it shows up, maybe in the world or within yourself, and then what you can do to kind of um, go against it so that you can acknowledge that it's there and maybe use it in a positive way to be anti-racist. And so I really liked that. It's a short read and it really gives like specific guidelines of how to just be a better ancestor in the future. So that's my favorite. My grandma and I did a book study on it and it was really great to have a conversation. You and your grandma? hmm I love that. It was really awesome to hear someone that I mean, literally went through like the civil rights era and integration and all of that, just hearing her perspective, um, on being a better ancestor. And so it's a great book and I highly recommend it.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for sharing. Cause mm-hmm. I know we're all looking for resources. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Thank you and for having me. Yeah. Good luck with the school year. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming along on this journey. If you want any more information about the ladies that you're going to hear on this series or anything that you hear that we talk about in these episodes, you can find all the information over on the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash mini. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. If you enjoyed it, I'd be so grateful to have you share it over on social media and tag me at the Simply Organized Teacher, or you can head to wherever you are listening to this podcast right now and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. This episode was edited by the team over at Podcastology. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, classroom organization resources, and all of the courses can be found over on my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Make sure to join my email list and get weekly organization tips straight to your inbox by heading to thesimplyorganizedteacher.com slash email. Y'all have a great week.